Good evening, and thank you, Drew. And as Drew has said, we are spending three services uh, recasting or re-clarifying our vision. And so tonight is going to be a, a little different from usual. For a start, as Drew said, I, I'm going to split what I'm going to say into two parts. Uh, plus, we're not going to look at a specific Bible text, which is what we often do at every service. But just for these three services, we're going to do something a little different. But hopefully, as I said this morning, anything I do say is grounded in, in God's word. Our vision at Windsor Baptist is to be a church without walls. And this morning I explained that in a little detail. So here's just a quick summary. It means four things, not an exhaustive list. First of all, it means that it's not about the building, that it's about people. It's about community. Secondly, it means that we seek to reduce the, the, the barriers, the initial barriers, the stylistic va- barriers. Thirdly, it means we want to have porous borders, but a definite center. We, we want to be inclusive without compromise. And therefore, we aim to be a non-judgmental grace community where, where questions and doubts and fears can be expressed and where people can explore the Christian faith in their own time. But alongside having these kind of ill-defined edges, we want to have a very definite center that comprises of Jesus and our core convictions which are rooted in God's story as revealed in scripture and then the the fourth thing that we want to emphasize is church gathered and church scattered that that we gather like this which is essential and it's biblical but whenever we leave this building we continue to be church as we spill out over and beyond these walls to be salt to be light to be a blessing and to live in such a way that points others to Jesus. But all of this begs the question, how? How do we become a church without walls? And, and that's where these four symbols come in. Because we believe that to become a church without walls, Windsor's got to intentionally be a place of belonging, multiplying, serving, and going. And this morning, we looked at what it means to belong. Tonight, multiplying and going. Now, we did this series last year over four Sunday mornings, and I looked at multiplying on one morning and going on another morning. Tonight, we're looking at both of them in one evening. So this is a really condensed kind of version of that. But we do uh, long for Windsor Baptist to be a place of multiplying. Whenever you read the story of the church in Acts, and, and when you trace its development you discover growth. That's one of the things that you're confronted with as you read the, those, those early chapters of the book of Acts as written by Dr. Luke. So to start with, in chapter 1, you appear to have 120 believers. Then, two-thirds of the way through chapter 2, it has grown to 3,120 And by the end of that chapter, there's even further growth and further expansion as to quote Acts 2.47, each day the Lord was adding to their fellowship those who were being saved. But it doesn't stop there because as you read the rest of Acts, you come across more references to church growth and multiplication. Numbers were added, extra disciples were constantly being grafted in. So here's just another couple of references from Acts 6. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, so growth has taken place. Verse 7, the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. And it didn't stop after the book of Acts. 
church continued to grow. And, and if nothing else, we are. This is living proof that the church continued to grow. 2,000 years later, the church still exists. God is still adding to his church right around the globe. So growth and multiplication is, is desirable. In fact, it's vital. It's what we long for here. It's what we pray for. It's what we witness for. And so at a local level, this remains part of our vision. Now, when it comes to growth at a local church level, there are three types of growth. I'm going to spend most of the time looking at the third type, but let me mention the other two. There's transfer growth, and then there's biological growth. It is a fact of life that people transfer and move from one church to another. It it happens, and it happens for all sorts of reasons. Some of those reasons are sad, some are complicated, some are painful, some are theological, some are necessary, some are understandable. People have moved on from Windsor to somewhere else. Other people have found their way here to this local church. But whether it's people coming or going, there needs to be, amongst other things, humility and understanding. And so there is transfer growth. Let's just be honest about that and recognize it. Then there's biological growth. Don't need to say anything more about that, other than we're doing quite well in that area. Uh, But it's the third type of growth that I want to concentrate on, and that is conversion growth. Those, to borrow the phrase from Acts 2, those whom the Lord is adding to this local fellowship, people who are being saved. We want Windsor to be a place where people regularly are experiencing new life in Christ. But what do we mean by that? What do we mean by conversion? Well, Christian conversion is about people coming to a place of repentance and faith, of realizing that they do need to turn from sin and its effect on their lives, turn to God, place their trust in the Savior of the world, and choose to follow him. Turn, trust, follow. And so what we're talking about here is is a passionate desire to see people who are not yet Christians becoming Christians and joining and belonging to the family of God. This is about seeing, and Drew's used this word quite a lot, this is about seeing people's lives transformed, in a sense turned 180, moving from death to life. These are some of the the pictures the Bible talks about, from death to life, from darkness to light, from lost to found, from slavery to freedom, from hell to heaven. A church without walls has got to be a church that sees beyond its borders, that retains an outward focus, never loses sight of, never loses a heart for those who are, and again, using biblical words, those who are lost. Never losing sight and a heart for those who are not an integral part of the church. A church without walls, yes, it's got to care for and it's got to nurture those who do belong, but it can never kind of settle with that. It must constantly and consistently reach out to those who have not yet experienced new life in Christ. In fact, some would say that's one of the reasons the church now exists. To reach out 
Many years ago, uh, Archbishop William Temple put it like this, the church is the only cooperative society in the world which exists for the benefit of its non-members. And there is a certain degree of exaggeration in that comment, but we, we have been commissioned to, to not just stay here, but commissioned to go, to go make disciples. We've been empowered by the Spirit of God to be Christ's witnesses here, out there, and in fact to the very ends of the earth. Called out of the world, again just using phrases that God's word, called out of the world to belong to God, but then called back into the world, sent into the world to be Christ's witnesses and to serve. The church, and that is us, individually and corporately, are called to share the gospel. To share the good news with those who currently do not know it or do not know Jesus or have not reached that place of turning and trusting and following. And so we must evangelize if this is going to be an intentional place of multiplying. Now, I know evangelism is a word that creates a reaction It's a word that carries some negative connotations. It recalls or it sparks memories of bad experiences, awkward encounters, embarrassing conversations, irrelevant expressions. But despite its poor press, despite at times its bad practice, we as the church are called to communicate the good news of Jesus through verbal communication and through lifestyle witness. So we simply must evangelize. But as we we think about what that actually means, let me give you a definition that that I came across a number of years ago. I think it's brilliant, but probably far more important. I think it's solidly biblical. To make known, this is to evangelize, means to make known by word and deed the love of the crucified and risen Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit so that people will repent, believe, and receive Christ as their Savior and obediently serve him as their Lord in the fellowship of the church. That's our calling. That's our desire. And therefore, here at Windsor Baptist, we long for and we pray for growth, conversion, growth. At times, probably most of the time, Evangelism happens on a personal level. It happens as we share Jesus with our friends, with our families, with our colleagues, with our neighbors. But following on from that personal evangelism, if you like, we also do this as part of a community at services or run courses like Christianity Explored, for example. But as we kind of dig a little deeper with this, let me, let me say a couple more things about, about conversion. And the first is, is obvious, or at least I hope it is, and that is that we convert no one. The church converts no one. It's God who changes lives. It's God who transforms. It's God who turns people around 180 to face a new direction. It's God that adopts people into his family. It's God who forgives. It's God who receives. It's God who welcomes. It's God who embraces. It is God who grows his church. 
But having said that, we've also got to realize, and, and, and this is incredible, that in the eternal purposes of God, he has chosen us, his church, to communicate the gospel. We're the ones now commanded to go and be Christ's witnesses. And therefore, the challenge that we face as Windsor Baptist, as the community of God in this place in this time, is to be faithful to our commission and our calling. We've got to make known by word, yes, and by deed, the good news of Jesus Christ, to express it verbally and visually. And then we leave the outcome, the results, to God. We need to have, I believe, a heart for evangelism. But but more than that, we need to have a heart for people. And and that's really what it kind of boils down to. Do we love people enough to share the gospel with them in word and deed? I think it was... uh, It was Bruce Milne, Christian theologian, writer, pastor, many years, who said, our failures in evangelism are so often failures in love. See, for me, evangelism, and maybe this is where we've kind of gone wrong, evangelism is not simply something we do or organize to do. Ultimately, it's an expression of love because one of the most loving things you can do for another human being is share Jesus with them. One of the most loving things you can do for anyone is share the good news of Jesus with them. I sense that one of the very real challenges we face, and I know I face, is to fully appreciate people's need of the gospel. I have shared this before, but sometimes I look around at people I spend time with, and I've shared this again like the guys I play football with on a Saturday. And very many of them seem to be perfectly content with life. Perfectly content. Actually really seem to be enjoying life. Happy as they are. And I often forget or lose sight of what really matters. Of kind of their true spiritual condition and eternal well-being. I often look at my teammates on a purely physical, material level. I miss so much. I miss what God sees. And the Bible is is crystal clear and it's explicit. And these are some of our core convictions that I referred to earlier. That unless, again using Bible language, but unless someone's born again, cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless they believe in Jesus and return in repentance and faith to God, they will perish and will not have eternal life. And those, those are disturbing thoughts, sobering. And in an increasingly secular and pluralistic culture and context, We as Christians can lose sight of these realities and therefore lose sight of a heart or lose a heart for evangelism and lose the need or lose sight of the need to share the gospel with our family and our friends and our teammates and our colleagues and those we rub shoulders with. 
as a church, we don't want that to be or that to become our story. And therefore, we kind of unashamedly express this as part of our vision. That if we want to be a church without walls, then it means that we want to be an intentional place of multiplying. A church that grows by conversion. And so we look to God to soften our hearts and to open our eyes and to remind us of our calling. Let's pray. As we, as we read the story of, of the early church, we recognize and see that it, that it grew as you added. And yet we also realize the responsibility we have to communicate what you have done in our lives, what you have done for us with those who are not yet part of your church. And so God, give us not just a heart for reaching out, for evangelizing, for evangelism. God, give us a heart for people. May Windsor Baptist be known as a place where people matter. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. May we care for whole people. May we witness verbally and visually, lip and life. And God, I ask that you would add to this local fellowship those who are being saved rescued. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Um, We're going to spend the next few minutes just worshipping together through a few songs. If at any point you'd feel more comfortable sitting down, then please feel that, that you can do that.
Okay, so then, the th- well, it's the fourth part of our, our, our vision, and, but we're going to leave the third part to next week. But, and this is kind of closely connected to what I've just been talking about, that yes, we want to be an intentional place of multiplying, but also an intentional place of going. And, and so there definitely is an overlap here in, in some of what I'm, I'm going to say. But we want to be a place where people are supported to go. Go and make a difference in their communities and beyond. And so for a few moments, I want to think about the whole subject of mission and the need for for Windsor Baptist to be a missional church. Now, the term mission or missionary, again, is another one of those terms and words which conjures up all kinds of thoughts and ideas and caricatures. But one of the crucial things to remember and state right up front is that God is a missionary. God reached And God reaches out to humanity. And none of us could ever have known God if he had not made himself known in the person of Jesus, who he sent in the power of the Spirit. And so, in one sense, the church exists because of the mission of God. But that's not the whole story, because not only is the church the fruit of God's mission. It is also called to be the agent of God's mission. We are the community. Said this right. We are the community through which God acts and speaks. And therefore, it is the essence or the DNA of the church to be a missionary community. That that we are to be a sent community that goes. Or to put it like this, Mission is not an agenda item. It is the agenda. It's not something churches do. It is a divine initiative that churches participate in. Or to put it as Tim Dearborn, who I understand paraphrasing Jürgen Moltmann said, it is not the church of God that has a mission in the world, but the God of mission who has a church in the world one of those great phrases that you kind of need to read a few times over. But it reminds us that mission proceeds from the heart of God. God is a missionary. And as a church, we are invited to join his mission rather than kind of the way sometimes it seems that we're inviting God to join ours. We join his. 
begs an obvious question then, well, what is the, the mission of God? God's a missionary. What is the missionary? What is the mission of God? And you can answer that in a number of different ways, but central to it is this idea of rescue. This idea of salvation. God's mission is to reconcile all things to himself through Jesus, to quote Colossians. It is God's mission to restore what's been broken. One of those things that has been broken is our relationship with God. A relationship that God created us to enjoy. And yet, it was wrecked by sin's devastating intrusion into God's perfect world. And therefore, a missionary God who, according to God's word, does not want any to perish. That's his heart. Therefore, a missionary God sent Jesus as the way back to the Father, as the restorer of the broken relationship, as the reconciler of all things. And how did Jesus make that possible? How does Jesus bring us back to the Father? Well, to finish this verse, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so therefore the cross stands right at the heart and the core and at the center of our faith. It's why communion that we, that we celebrated together here this morning is so important to us. Because every single Sunday we as a community are remembering the cross. Remembering what Jesus has done for us. And so God sent Jesus into the world to restore to reconcile but then Jesus sends us we're critically involved in the mission of God here are words from the final prayer of Jesus words that so many of us are familiar with where Jesus prays and talks to the father and says this as you sent me into the world I'm now sending them I'm now sending them into the world and so after the resurrection and before Jesus returns to his father, he says, it's, it's over to you now. It's over to you, my followers. You're the ones who are now sent to make disciples of all nations. The God of mission has a church in the world which he has commissioned to go. And what this means is, amongst other things, that every Christian is a missionary. Not just the select few. Whenever Jesus gave the Great Commission, he wasn't talking about what some Christians do in some places. He was talking about what every Christian does in every place. Earlier I, I made the point that once we walk out those doors... We go from being church gathered to church scattered. That we go from here to be Christ's witnesses. Wherever we find ourselves. As we relate to people that we live with, work with or bump into. And if people are going to discover more about Christianity and its transformational impact on their individual lives and on community life in general. If people are going to be exposed to the good news of Jesus in word and deed, then the most likely context today, the most likely context, not the only context, the most likely context 
is in discovering, listening, and seeing Jesus in and through our lives and witness. Through those who have now been sent with this amazing transformational news to say, listen, God can change your life. That's what God wants to do, longs to do. When it comes to the Great Commission, and and particularly the version that we find in Matthew 28, which many of us could probably quote word for word, one of the phrases that that has kind of led to this idea of of them and us, that, that some are missionaries and maybe some are not, is this term, all nations, which at first reading tends to imply or has implied to some that that, that mission or the mission field is, is a way out there. It's in another country. It's an ocean away at the very least. And therefore, those who travel away, leave these shores to share the gospel, well, they're the ones who are really considered as, as missionaries. It's important to remember and, and vital to grasp that by this term, all nations, and I remember coming, being confronted with this for the first time a number of years ago, but just really as I explored this whole idea of what does this actually mean? As I understand it in the literal, what Jesus was saying is go and make disciples of all people groups. All people groups everywhere in all countries of the world, including our own. That those around us who don't need, who don't know Jesus as well as those further afield need to hear the gospel and see it lived out 24-7 in every one of our lives who claims to live in God and follow Christ. And I know some churches, in an attempt to, to reinforce this perspective and encourage those who are part of a particular local church to, to see it this way, have this kind of sign above their, their door. I'm, I, I know the last time I shared this that some people actually at one stage were part of a church that had this above the door. You're now entering the mission field. Church gathered, now church scattered. Go and join the mission of God as the ones who are sent by Jesus to go into all the world. The reality is that we live in a context where fewer and fewer people now come to church. Fewer and fewer people choose to make church a a part of their life. And one of the reasons that that less people come to church now than ever before is because of the, the rapidly changing environment. We exist at a time of cultural shift, of seismic proportions, as, as Eddie Gibbs has said. Christianity and, and the church has felt the effects of that cultural shift, of the change in the society in which we live in. And one significant outcome or, or upshot of this is that the church no longer occupies a central place in society as it once did. We find ourselves as a church right out on the margins. We're on the fringes of society in an increasingly missional context. Fewer and fewer people today know God's story. Fewer and fewer people today care to know his story or where they might fit into it. Very few people today care what the church thinks about anything. And this changing cultural landscape in the West is is one that's been recognized, I know, for years. And in the early 70s, and I referred to to him this morning, but he is someone who's who's very influential in this whole kind of thing. And Leslie Newbegin, whenever he returned to England 
in the early 70s, after nearly 30 years of missionary work in India, he discovered, and, and he's written exclusively on this and has been a huge influence as a result, but he discovered that the, the previously Christian culture that he left in the mid-20th century had become, to quote him, it had become pagan and pluralistic and secular and non-Christian. And that was how he perceived England in the 70s. And surely Ireland in the 21st century could be described in similar terms. We live in a post-Christian context. And as Newbegin reflected on this and considered the cultural shift, he ascertained that the Christian West has become a culture in need of missions. It was now as lost as the unreached culture of the wider world. One Christian theologian from Scotland, kind of expert on missions, put it like this. It is now too late to treat Western society as in some sort of decline from Christian standards to be brought back to church by preaching and persuasion. Modern Western society, taken as a whole, reflects one of the great non-Christian cultures of the world. And the point is, and I know I could say so much more on this, but the point is people just don't come to church, turn to church as they once did. Many, many people around us in this community on our own doorstep have grown up being influenced by a culture that is increasingly secular and pluralistic and post-Christian. And therefore, the need for, for every one of us to go, we're not going to come, but to go and be Christ's witnesses is critical. To go and be salt. To go and be light. To go and be that blessing. To go and do good deeds. Now, though I've tried to highlight the need for every single Christian to see that they are missionaries in their local context, I don't want anyone to, to kind of leave here this evening thinking that I was in any way neglecting or downplaying the importance of global mission or the need for missionaries to be sent to the ends off the earth literally I'm painfully aware of approximately is it three billion people in our world who've never heard the gospel presented to them something like 7,000 unreached people groups the need for global as well as local mission is huge and it's urgent and at Windsor Baptist and again those who are part of this church will know this Windsor Baptist has a deep desire and a clear vision to be a strategic base for world missions and to take seriously our role as a sending church, sending people out there and beyond to the ends of the earth. But as we think about mission locally and globally, I remember last year I kind of shared this word, this need for us to be a church that has a global vision for mission and going at it and it's a great word that first appeared as I understand it first appeared in 2006 in a, in a book called transformation how global churches transform lives and the world and it is it is my hope and prayer that Windsor Baptist would be a truly global church a church that is without walls a church that is an intentional place of going where people are supported and resourced and equipped to go into their communities and to the ends of the earth 
to make disciples of all people groups. And so for us, that is a core part of our vision. That we are a church that goes. It doesn't just invite people to come, but goes and speaks truth in word and in deed. I know we've raced through an awful lot. It's eight o'clock. It's two sermons in one. Maybe far too fast through lots of it. Maybe raised far more questions than provided answers. Maybe even confused some by not dwelling long enough on certain points. But as we, as we close this service, and Drew's going to come and, and pray in a moment. But it is our hope that you will engage with this vision to be a church without walls. That you will engage with our intention to be a place of belonging and to be a place of multiplying and to be a place of going. And so just before Drew closes in prayer, can I invite you to pray, just to take a moment. I suppose to ask yourself a couple of questions. One, going back to the multiplying, do I have a heart for people? Do I kind of love people enough to share the gospel with them? And then also, as you walk out these doors in a matter of moments, and become church scattered. That as you go, you begin to see people as God sees people. Join the mission of God. Recognize that as 